If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open up to Matthew chapter... Actually, I just lied. Nope. I changed it halfway through. I wrote that part of my message before I changed it. We're going to be in Mark. All right, Mark chapter 6. Yes. All right, okay, this... You'll see why. This story ends up in a lot of Gospels, and I decided I wanted to use a different portion of it. So, let's keep moving on, all right? So, I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm sure we have uh, different plans for the 4th of July in the room. I'm glad that you made this morning coming to church as part of your plans as well in the 4th. We're going to be continuing uh, in our Altered series where we are looking at moments uh, of people in Scripture where they have had a moment with Jesus and how that has altered their life. It has changed their life because of that time that they spent with Jesus. All right, and I've loved getting to dig into some of these stories. Uh, and, and for me, I've just been so encouraged uh, as I look closer at how Jesus cared for people. All right, like He cared for all sorts of people. Rich people, poor people, famous people, beggars on the street, his closest friends, complete strangers, uh, individuals he ran into, And massive crowds as well. Like Jesus just, he cared for people. Right? Like you can't read through the gospel and not see this. It didn't matter who they were, what their story was. He loved them. So uh, as we get ready to jump into scripture today, uh, just remember this this morning. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done in life. Jesus cares about you. He loves you. And he wants to connect with you this morning. All right, so I just want to encourage you right now where we are, let's just kind of have that posture in our life that you know what? The creator of everything, the universe, the God of all, wants to connect with you as an individual this morning. All right, so if you would, would you stand to your feet as we get ready to read? We are in Mark chapter 6, it's going to be in verse 35. All right. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. God, I pray that you would just speak to us this morning in a new way. God, I pray that uh, these would not be my words, Lord, that that you would just speak to every single one of us right to our heart, right to what we need to hear, God, and and that, that you would just individualize it for every single one of us, God. You know where we are. You know what we're dealing with. Speak to us right now. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Uh, So there's a ton going on in this passage. All right, and we don't always recognize it. Like, this is a story that if you grew up going to Sunday school, you know the story, all right? Like, it's just one of the more common ones. Even people that didn't grow up in the church have probably heard a little bit of, like, apparently Jesus fed, like, thousands and thousands of people type of thing. And and, and what's happening in this, why there's so much going on here uh, that we actually oftentimes miss, 
is what, there's one scholar, Tim Mackey, he calls it this. He calls it hyperlinks. Okay, have you ever noticed in your Bible where there's maybe a little asterisk or something that's like, you go down, whether you have a study Bible or even in the margins, and it's referring back. Okay, well, if you've ever gone on Wikipedia before, who's been on Wikipedia? Okay, so on Wikipedia, you start reading through an article, and all of a sudden, some of the words will be blue. And they're blue because you can click on them, and they bring you to another page. And then that page talks about whatever the word or phrase is you just clicked on. Okay, does this make sense? So like if you're reading about the Revolutionary War, all right, and you're reading all this history, you're going through there, uh, and pretty soon it's going to talk about how Britain had to raise taxes due to the cost of the French and Indian War and the Seven-Year War. And both French and Indian War and Seven-Year War are in blue. So if you're like, well, I don't know what those are, you can click on them. And now you learn about that. And understanding that idea helps you understand your original article. So as you move on and it continues to talk, um, it's going to say things like the Stamp Act and the Townsend Act and the Boston Massacre and the Boston Tea Party. All of these things that led up to the Revolutionary War. They are important to know if you're going to fully understand what's happening in the Revolutionary War. So there's these hyperlinks on Wikipedia. You click on them and it brings you all over. Now here's what we don't see in Scripture. Because we are reading it in English and because you and I do not have the same training that the first century Jewish people would have had. All right, for them, by the time that they were like 12, they have massive portions of Scripture memorized. All right, if they're studying to be like a rabbi, they have the entirety of this memorized. They are starting to memorize this when they are little. Okay, so down to the point where when they hear a certain phrase, they think about something, right? Like if I were to say, okay, this is in my notes, so i got to come up with a phrase. If I were to say, the price is right on this. Okay, when I say the price is right, that's just a regular sentence talking about the, the price of something and how it's correct. But what does everybody in the room, what do we think? The price is right. Bob Barker, come on down. There we go, all right? So we're like, right away, we hear the price is right. You're like, oh, that's a funny show. Like, it was always on. Didn't matter what time of day it was. Somehow Bob Barker was always on. You know, like, we have these things in our mind. For them, ours is like pop culture. We recognize these things. For them, this was scripture. They read something, they hear something. You hear one word sometimes, and you're immediately thinking about a passage. Okay, so this was important for them, and this is happening all over in this story. All right, so what would be happening in this story, the feeding of the 5,000? You have hyperlinks going to uh, the manna in the desert, all right, and, and the Israelites being fed. Elijah and the barley bread. You have the 12 tribes of Israel with the 12 baskets that are left over. The way the tribes of Israel would form up in these rectangles when they would march would be seen as they broke into groups of 50 and 100 and sat down in the grass, all right? They say green grass. Like at that moment, you know, this is the springtime. This is Passover because... Because actually in this area, spring is the only time you had green grass. This picture is exactly like what it is. Like you have the springtime and the rest of the year. All right, like that's so when they say green grass, you know what time of year it is. Like all these different things that are going on that people would notice. All right, they, in their minds, they had thought that the Messiah was going to come and be uh, just like Moses. There's going to be, in a way, he was going to feed a multitude of people. Right? All these things would be happening, which is why in one of the, the stories of feeding the 5,000, at the end of it, the crowd gets up and rushes Jesus to make him their king. Not because he fed them or anything, but because all of these things are coming true in front of their eyes. They're like, he must be the Messiah. All right, so all this is 
it's there. And here's what I want to do. I just want to say, I want to challenge you. We don't always understand this. Sometimes we just read our Bibles at face value and, and understand that the Bible that you and I have is a tool in the sense of it's not the actual Bible in the original language, and there's things that we're missing. So I want to challenge you guys, just as you read, maybe you're doing your personal devotions, always be looking for more. Read alongside some other study materials that can help you see deeper into these things, things that I would not ever notice, but are there, and they help us go deeper into the story. All right, so for the things that, that matter for us today, that I want us to look at, uh, this, this story right here, this is the only miracle that Jesus does and is recorded in all four Gospels. All four Gospels talk about this one. Uh, you also have a separate story where Jesus feeds 4,000 people. All right, and it is after the 5,000. And that's in both Matthew and Mark. And it's kind of weird because it's not like going up. Like, oh yeah, I did 4,000, now I'll do 5,000. It's like the opposite. Uh, and, and there's interesting things between those two. Because it shows up in all four Gospels, each one gives us a little bit of, of different details that the others might not. Uh, but what we see in some of them is a timeline of what is happening the days before the story and leading up to this miracle, and that's important for us. One of the things that happens, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples to do ministry. All right, And when he does this, he sends them out two by two. He tells them, don't bring anything with you except a walking stick. Right, like he's sending them out and he says, don't bring food, don't bring a bag, don't bring money, don't bring a change of clothes, none of that. And it's just kind of this weird moment. You're like, all right, that's okay. Jesus and Bear Grylls, I guess, are kind of similar here in some ways. You know, just living off the land with a knife or something. Seems crazy. The other things that are happening uh, leading up to this miracle, Herod Antipas has John the Baptist beheaded. All right, this is Jesus' cousin and great friend. All right, and this happens in, in most of the stories right preceding this. So leading into our passage for today, uh, we have a few things going on, and this picture is painted for us uh, a little differently in each gospel, and that's okay. All right, but we have Jesus who is emotionally drained. All right, we know that. If you've ever lost someone close to you, in the whirlwind of that, you are planning a funeral. Now, Jesus wasn't doing this, but think about this. You have all these things going through your mind. Do you ever really have time to grieve right away? Usually not. Usually grieving for the person that you've lost is something that it's a process that takes months, years. And Jesus is, is definitely emotionally drained um, going into this, losing his cousin and close friend. You also have the disciples who have just gotten back from their first big solo ministry journey of healing people, casting out demons, all right? And Jesus says this line to them, to the group of disciples, uh, and, and says this line that you could preach an entire message on, this one line right here, and it's a line that we need to learn, you and I, we need to meditate on it, we need to take it to heart and not neglect it like we often do. Here's the line, Jesus says, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. All right, that, that is such a good line. For some of you guys here today, that's your message. That's what you need to get out of this whole thing. You could get up and walk out right now and be like, all right, God spoke to me. I need to learn to rest. I need to learn to relax, take some time. All right, if Jesus needed to do this, how much more do you and I? All right, come on. It says Jesus and the disciples were doing uh, so much that they didn't have time to eat. And Jesus recognizes the need for rest. So they left uh, to go and do this, and they go away to a quiet place, but people begin to recognize them. 
uh, and they see where they are going and they kind of run ahead of them, all right, they can't escape them. And pretty soon there's a big crowd all around them again. They, they don't get this time to rest. Uh, when I know that I need rest and I am trying to rest, I don't always take too kindly to people that interrupt that. Anybody else here kind of like that? Right? Like you lay down on the couch and you're, you're trying to rest. I don't take too kindly to, to people or small people either. Especially, oh yeah, I got some people pointing at spouses in the room. <laughs> right? Like it's like, oh, I just, I just need to rest. I begin to lose my patience and grace. All right, not Jesus. And Jesus sees the crowd and, and scripture says he had compassion on them. And he begins to teach them. And we don't get what he's teaching on, but it's been a while because now the disciples are coming to him and pointing some things out to Jesus. All right, and this, this is good. Well, potentially. Maybe the disciples are still just really hungry and they're wanting to send people away because they're like, I need this rest time. Let's get them out of here. Uh, but they notice a need. Okay, the disciples have noticed a need and they're bringing it up. This, this is good. This is progress for the disciples. They notice that something needs to happen. Something isn't right. They bring it to Jesus and say, something has to be done about this. You ever been there? You ever bring something to God and be like, God, something has to be done about this. And that's great. They notice it. They want something to happen. They say, hey, it's getting late. We need to send these people away so that they can go get food and eat. And I love Jesus' response. This little line right here might be one of the most shocking things the disciples ever heard Jesus say to them. They say, hey, we have 5,000 plus people here that need to get food and eat. And Jesus says, don't send them away. You feed them. Okay, but I want us today, in lots of these, I've said I want us to insert ourselves into the story. And sometimes there's a certain person I want you to look through their eyes. All right, today it's the disciples. I want you to look at this story through the eyes of the disciples. Like you were one of them right there. What are you feeling? What are you seeing? What are you thinking? All right, you see this massive crowd and you say, Jesus, what, we got to feed them. And he looks you in the eyes and he says, you feed them. What? What do you mean I feed them? No, like this, are you kidding me? There's no way that we're prepared for that. We don't have what it would take. We don't have that much money to do that. We don't have that kind of resources. Even if we did, 12 guys going through buying food for 5,000 people and handing it out, like I can barely keep my order straight going through the drive-through with just my family. Okay, like you expect me to feed 5,000 people. How am I going to do this? So Jesus asked them this, what do you have? So they go looking, they come back to report. Uh, and can you imagine being the guy that draws the short straw that actually has to tell Jesus what they found. Okay, we have a crowd of 5,000 people. Well, yeah, we got five loaves and two fish. I mean, I, I'm not joking. I would come back and say nothing, Jesus. We have nothing. Because that's, in the midst of 5,000 people, we have nothing. All right? And it's, that's what happens when you look at how big the need is versus what you have. Now, Jesus says, everyone sit down in groups on the grass takes what the disciples brought him, prays, breaks it, and begins to give it back to the disciples. The disciples go and hand it out. There's more than enough for everyone. They pick up 12 baskets of leftovers at the end. All right, not only did they have enough, but they have more than enough. There is this abundance at the end. That's crazy. This is, this is a weird story, and I think for a lot of people, uh, it leaves them wondering, okay, what am I supposed to do with this story? How does this apply to my life? 
All right, like, do I just walk into countryside and be like, I'm going to feed you all. Give me this plate. I'm going to pray over it. You know, like, how, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, I think there's a few ways uh, that Jesus is still speaking to us today through this passage. And I want to highlight a couple of those uh, of how he might possibly be speaking to you. And then I want us to just kind of find ways to apply that to our lives from there. All right, so the first one is this. Seeing a need around you isn't enough. You need to do something about it. Right? Like, it was great that the disciples noticed what was happening. They saw that people were getting hungry and that they needed food. They bring that need to Jesus and they say, hey, we need to let them go, send them away. Jesus flips the script on them and says, you're right, there is a need, but don't send them away to figure it out by themselves or push it off on nearby towns and their markets. You do something about it. God has given us, you and I, eyes to see the needs around us. All right, the practical needs, the financial needs, the emotional needs, spiritual needs of the people that we come in contact with. God wants us to see those needs. And there may be a a portion where we bring that to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I want you to do something about this. But there may be times where he's handing it back to us and saying, I want you to do something about this. All right, I want you. you. You have the ability. You can go and do this. All right, in James 2, it says, what good is it if you see someone who has no food or clothing and you say, bye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but you don't do anything about it, right? Like, what what good is that? God has given us eyes to see and he's given us hands to do. All right, so what things have you been seeing lately? What needs do you notice? Like when you think about your life, what has God been, you, you drive through your town, you, you walk through your workplace, you walk through Coburn's and you, and you brush by people. What needs do you see? And you have something that just pops into your mind like, ah, oh, that's not right. Something should be done about that. When you turn on the news and you watch things and you see things, something should be done about that. The second one is this. God has equipped you for what he is calling you to do. God has equipped you for what he's calling you to do. Jesus tells them to feed the people. They freak out and say, it's impossible. No way we can do it. Jesus calms them down and simply asks this, what do you have? Okay, you don't have food for 5,000? That's fine. What do you have? And he lets them just kind of marinate in this question a little bit, like, What do I have? Stop focusing on what you don't have. What do you have? All right, and I give them credit for saying what they had. They they didn't have nothing, even though it seems that way. All right, when you focus on the need and how big it is, instead of the provider, you're going to have a hard time seeing it the right way. Okay, if God's putting something on your heart and you're like, this is a massive need, Like, this is a huge problem in our entire world, in our country. What is little old me supposed to do about this? You're focusing on the need. You're not focusing on the provider, on the person that can can change everything. All right? What do you have in your life? And when we bring what we have, all right, when you switch your focus and you focus on him and, and we bring it to him, God has given us enough. The only reason why it doesn't seem like it's enough is because it's still in our hands. The bread and the fish did not change as long as it was in the disciples' hands. They brought it, 
They handed it over. All right, we need to bring what we have to Jesus because in his hands, in the hands of the provider, it's more than enough. So what do you have in your life? Maybe, maybe physically, what do you have? Like, like resources or your time, your money, or maybe it's about the giftings, the talents that God's given you. All right, they don't seem like much to you and you never thought about how you could use it for God. That's fine. You, you don't need to know that. All right, the disciples didn't know what Jesus was going to do with the loaves and fish. They just had to do an assessment of what they had and report back to Jesus. So what do you have? All right, don't, don't get ahead of yourself thinking about how you will use it. Just make a list. What do you have? Maybe you have a sense of humor, an abundance of time in your life, or you're gifted artistically. Maybe what you have is money. Maybe you have skills with, with words, uh, quick fingers, a big house, knowledge of how to mi- manage finances. I don't know, like all these different things. What do you have? What do you have? You bring it to Jesus, he brings it to the Father and blesses it, and it'll be used in ways that you never could imagine, far beyond what you could expect. So what do you have? And the last thing is this. We need a total dependence on God's provision. A total dependence on God's provision. Like we need to be in a spot where we are continually dependent on him. Like if God doesn't work in this situation, I'm going to look stupid. Like that type of dependence. I struggle with this. I struggle down sitting and praying for somebody in a way that if God doesn't move in some way that I'm going to feel like I or even God looks stupid. And I find myself tacking on these little things to a prayer. God, heal this. But if you don't, that's fine. Here's the thing. We pray in God's will. Okay, we, this is not name it and claim it. We cannot make God do anything. But at the same time, I sometimes like give myself an out. I pretend like I'm like giving God an out, like maybe it's not your will. I'm giving myself an out because I don't want to look stupid. I need to live my life in a way that I am so dependent on God, so dependent on, on him moving and showing up that it, it's not about me at all. Something I've wondered a lot as, I, as I've read this story is how did, this, how did the miracle actually happen? How did it physically take place? Did you ever think about this? Uh, like the multiplying of everything. And, and in none of the gospel accounts does it tell us how the miracle took place. Which probably means it doesn't matter. Alright? Uh, but, but I got to thinking about this. And I think I have my educated guess based on how God works and what we see in scripture. And what he wants from us. And I think this is what it might have looked like. I don't think Jesus prayed and all of a sudden hundreds of baskets filled with bread and fish appeared. I, I don't think that's how it worked. Alright? I don't... Uh, The reason I don't think that happened that way is because then the disciples would have everything they need to just go and do it on their own. All right, Jesus could have left and they would have been fine. I think Jesus wants us to remain dependent on him. That's what I see everywhere in scripture. So I think Jesus probably gave the disciples food and kept handing it to them and then they would go out to a group of 50 and pass that food out and then come back and somehow there was more food. Right? Like, I think as a disciple first got his lot to go out and give it to somebody, he's probably like, okay, this is weird. I'm going to go hand this to them. I'm going to come back, and Jesus is going to be like, all right, how many people are fed now? Uh, seven. 
seven people are fed. Okay, like this did not work. You know, like that, that's probably a little bit of what was going through their mind. Like, come on here. And, and they walk out, and then they come back to the source of provision, and there's more. There's more than what they could do. And each time this keeps happening, I'm guessing that each time that they came back, they, they could do a little bit more. And they could feed the next group of 50. And when they came back, Jesus had more provision for them. They could go a little further, do a little more than what they thought they could. All right, some of you, God has put a need on your heart. And, and it's massive. It is so big that you have no clue how it could ever be taken care of. And you are sitting here today, and you are staring, you are focusing on the 5,000. No way I can do that. And I think what God wants to say to you is, take your eyes off the 5,000, put them on me, and I'm going to call you to the 50. Okay, th that's what you have to do. Go walk out, take care of the small first step. And then come back to me and you're going to keep going further and further and further than you ever thought that you could. It's not about you going out on your own, getting this like crazy strength from God and tackling everything. It's about us remaining dependent on him and saying, God, take me further than I could on my own. And every step that you take is further than you ever thought that you could do. All right, pretty soon you've reached the first thousand and you have no clue how you did that. God's provision is rarely known in advance, all right? It doesn't, it doesn't seem like provision from God then. Like if you know it, if you have enough money to pay all your bills this month, you're just like, all right, I have enough money. But every single time, you're kind of like, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And all of a sudden, this happens. You get a letter in the mail and you open it up and there's money inside of it for no reason. You're like, wow, man, God's provision is amazing. Is that how we want to operate? Usually not. We want to know everything in advance. And God's saying, I want you just to, just to be dependent on me. It doesn't take any faith if God gives us everything right up front. All right, God's provision is rarely obvious from the start. Provision happens when you reach the end of what you thought you had. And all of a sudden there's more. That's what provision is. When you reach the end and you're like, I'm done, I can't go any further, and then all of a sudden God shows up and you're like, wow, I can go further. Carrie, you can, you can come up and, and as we kind of close out today. We live in a world with potentially bigger needs than ever before. All right, like that's just, turn on the TV, it's obvious. There's massive needs. We have people who are hungry, people without clean drinking water, people without places to live, all right? And, and not just humanitarian needs, though. There's so much more than that. We, we have babies who are created with a plan and a purpose who are never allowed to take a breath in this world. We have people who are so hurt and alone and don't want to live. They don't know what to do about it. We have people who are being bought and sold and forced to do unspeakable acts. All right, we have entire countries being oppressed by their governments or by neighboring governments. We have kids growing up without a loving family, without parents, without examples of how to succeed in life. <clears throat> we have billions of people who are born uh, and they live and they die 
without ever once hearing the name of Jesus. 42% of the world, no access to the gospel. That's a massive need. And me sitting here saying, I want people to know about Jesus, 42% of the world, like, you, you know, math, it's, it's billions, over probably three billion people. And it's easy for me to sit here and say, what am I supposed to do about three billion people? I'm one person with one mouth. I can get on one plane, travel to one country. And I think that the problem is, is, is we focus on what, what that massive need is. Instead of taking a step back. Focusing on God. Allowing Him to use us and say, hey, I want you to just start walking forward. Don't worry about the three billion. Worry about the three. The three people that I'm calling you to do that are right in front of you. That you need to go, you need to, you need to talk to them, you need to love them, you need to care for them. And I reach three, and God says, all right, I got another three, and another three, and another three. And pretty soon you're like, man, how, how have I made this impact? Well, it's not us making the impact. You know, what can my sense of humor do in, in the face of world poverty? What can my accounting ability have to do with the millions of babies who are never given the chance to live? What could, you know, all my extra time that I have because I'm retired, what could I do with that um, with kids who don't have a family? You know, truthfully, I, I have no clue. But that, that's okay. Because you aren't called to bring your gifts to me. You're called to bring them to Jesus. It's not a brainstorming session right here for me to give us a bunch of ideas of what we're going to go and do. This is a moment where we say, okay, this is what we have. It seems small. I don't know how you could use it to do that. But Jesus, here you go. And he takes it. And he looks to his father. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he hands it back to you and says, okay, go. Go and use what I've given you. Then come back and then go and use what I've given you again. Come back, use what I've given you. It's this idea of this total dependence at all times on God for every step of the way. I believe that this morning and over the coming months, God is going to birth dreams inside of our church. All right, massive dreams of, of meeting some massive needs. And God has probably already given you a heart for specific things and certain needs that you care deeply about. And maybe you've brought those needs to God in prayer and I think God is looking you in the eyes and he's saying, you do it. You feed them. You clothe them. You stand up for them. You be the voice for the voiceless. You financially provide for that. You give your love to that. Can we stand across this place? Just real simply, I want to just end with this. What does it look like for you to take a step in the direction that God is leading you today? Maybe you need to pray that God would break your heart for the things that break his heart. 
Maybe you right now, you're fine walking through life and you don't see the needs around you. And you need to say, God, give me your eyes. Give me your heart. Let me feel the pain that you feel when you see these things, with your heart that's broken as things are happening in our world. And then God's going to say, okay, do something. All right, what do you have? Maybe, maybe you need to make a list. What things do you have? Not what things do you have compared to your neighbor or compared to the need. Just what things do you have? It can be small. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be massive. What things do you have? Then maybe you need to reach a point where you're a little more dependent on God. Or how many of us this morning would say that uh, we feel like in some way God is putting something on our heart right now. Whatever step this would fall into, maybe it's something completely different that God's speaking to you. How many of us today would say, God is putting something on my heart that I know that I need to kind of begin to at least flush out and figure out what to do with? Yeah. Yep. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would give us, give us the eyes to see. Lord, give us, give us the hands to, to be doing this. God, give us the wisdom to actually see what it is that you've already blessed us with, Lord. And God, give us the humility to just be broken and dependent on you. God, we want to see, we want to see things change. We want to see needs met. And we can't do it on our own. Last thing this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never had a chance or you've never made a decision to actually follow Jesus and to say, I, I want Jesus to be the one that is guiding me. I want that dependence on God that you're talking about. I want to feel like I have a plan and a purpose and a mission in my life because right now I'm trying things on my own and it's not working. All right, if that's you and you want to make that decision, I want to give you an opportunity right now just to slip your hand up. If you're watching this at a later time or maybe you're here today and you're like, I, I don't really know. I have questions. I don't know what this means. Please come set up a meeting. Talk to me. Contact me. I, I want to get together. This is an important step and it's one that we want people to know what they're doing. We want people to, to walk this out in the right way. So we'd love for you to get in contact with us so that we can just, we can help you in this. This is not something we can do on our own. Can we just, can we close this morning just in prayer together? If you don't feel like you have a heart for, for, for big needs in this world, right now, can we just kind of symbolically just, God, I want you to break my heart. Jesus, every single one of us in this room, and I know that you're not going to put the same thing on each one of our hearts because, God, that's, that's why we're the body of Christ. That's why we bring together every different person, every different personality, every different gifting that we have so that we can work together, Lord, to accomplish what it is that you want to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus, I pray you would speak individually this week to every single one of us over the coming weeks, over the next month. Just begin to birth massive dreams inside of us. God, just give us a burden for, for certain things that we feel like we have to address. We can't keep living our life while this is happening in our world.
God, just break our hearts this morning. God, I pray safety over everybody as we, we spend time doing things this afternoon, this evening. God, give us opportunities with friends, family today, Lord, to reach out to them, to share what you're doing in our life. God, to make a difference. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.